Numbers. Oh, oh, yes, the numbers. Mm. <laughs> numbers counting down. So I'm going to go it's off. My, my normal voice. Oh, you're doing a Spencer thing? Is that no, what you're what doing? are you talking about? Is I've always sounded like this. <laughs> so much testosterone. You got high T. Can oh, they it, take it, testosterone it, from people who are just too masculine like you? Uh, uh, I, I, I've... I've told that I've tested positive every time I've had my blood drawn for um, the most manliness possible. <laughs> Dominique Alabaster. Oh, let's see how long you can maintain dude. this. How do you think this bit is going for you, Pablo? Um, <laughs> I ask the ladies out there. I don't really care what you guys think. Okay. Oh, uh, very, man. very good. Uh, first topic: Does it make sense that the Celtics are still betting favorites in the East over the Bucks, who have won 16 straight games? <clears throat> um, it does. It does make me laugh when we inevitably do the thing, Dominique. And by the way, this is the version of Dominique Foxworth that now cares about the NBA. So I'm so glad that NBA Dominique is here. Just I've always cared. I'm just. I just have time now to invest <laughs> in also knowing about the NBA. It's, it's a very right. Former, important factor. Former NBPA executive Dominique Fox with his check back in just in time to notice that the Bucks are probably going to win the title again. It is funny, man. Like, it's like, all right, those guys, the one with Giannis, that team um, that's won a zillion games in a row with Giannis playing 33 minutes a game, like not even at his Giannising. Like, he's not Giannising yet, and he's still Giannising everybody. And so, yeah, plus 200, the Bucks are right now. Yeah, and the Celtics are the favorite. I guess the... I'm surprised because normally we do the thing where we give it the like benefit of the doubt to the team that we've seen do it before. We saw the Celtics do something more recently, I guess, last year. But in the finals, they came up quite short and they have a new coach, another first year coach who's overachieving the expectations of any mm -hmm. first year coach. But I, I think it comes down to and uh, this is going to upset Alabaster greatly. Like it comes down to the perimeter players that the Celtics have is like. That is probably, I'm assuming, the only thing that we're like leaning on why they will be favorites and the defense is better. But this is the, the big thing about basketball is we've talked about this before. The playoffs are actually very different. Yes. Like we say that about football. We say that about other sports when in actuality, football games are like slightly more intense, but like the foundation of the game is not that much difference. The The pace slows down some, it's not that dramatic, but it slows down enough that it matters. And the intensity picks up at the level and the in-game adjustments and the game plan and all that stuff is to a, a whole nother level. So it's hard for me to feel confident based on a 16 game winning streak or based on any, frankly, any in-season record at this point to say that any team is definitively better than the other one. But Giannis is the man. I feel safe betting on him because I'll never forget that he hyperextended his knee and then came back and couldn't miss a free throw or a shot yeah. and was unbeatable. Pretty much single-handedly took down the Suns. Yeah, I mean, look, so the Bucks haven't lost when Giannis has played in a game since January 6th. <laughs> um, I want to make a joke here about January 6th, but I feel like yeah. the point of the basketball is actually probably salient here. Um uh, yeah, there is no populist ridiculous. revolution to overthrow this regime, I guess, is what I'm suggesting. I, uh, I like I like half-hearted joke, Pablo. I like no. this new character that you're testing out. You, you don't fully believe in your joke. And I, you don't. Just like, oh. I don't. I don't. I <laughs> don't. Um, but what I will say about Giannis is that he is doing this again 
without being asked to play more than 33 minutes a game. And so playoff Giannis, what does this really mean, right? So when you're talking about the NBA postseason being different from the regular season, you're talking about benches shortening, you're talking about deliberate game plans to take the ball out of the hands of the opposing team's best player. Nobody has really figured out how to do that with Giannis. Every postseason, we kind of marvel at it, like Stan Van Gundy saying, and by the way, hold for yet another uh, would-be political reference. <laughs> they try to build a wall. Yeah, they did. And they don't succeed. And, Dominique, I just don't know how the Celtics stop Giannis. Well, it, I guess that's my question if we're doing this a head-to-head thing. The building the wall thing has succeeded in the past. It's a relatively recent phenomenon that it stopped succeeding. Like, I feel like that was the big criticism of, of uh, Coach Budenhoser is that he had no other changeup. And I'm not sure that he brought a changeup or Giannis just leveled up to some degree. But that was the technique. That hasn't worked in recent years, so I don't know what the answer is. I think it's going to be a good series. I wouldn't be surprised if they do match up eventually. I I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics won. I wouldn't be surprised if Giannis and them, Chris Middleton, I guess, deserves to have his name mentioned. Like, how many people on these teams, like, are at the level that they deserve to have their name mentioned? Because I really feel like that is the the thing about the Celtics that makes me feel – if I want to be more confident in the Celtics, it is their depth. And I understand that the rotations tighten, but they their depth provides them with a bit of flexibility that I would say that I don't think the Bucks have, even though Giannis is only playing 33 minutes a game. Well, this is this is the key. Alabaster put down a card before about how Chris Middleton still has not played the second game of a back-to-back since returning, I believe, or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alabaster on that. But he is still banged up. Chris Middleton is. Drew Holiday. Like, the, what we're counting on... And this is the best argument for, yeah, whole season, that whole Chris Middleton not playing nice, back to back kind of a deal. Congratulations. Um, yeah, there, there are, is that load management, is that injury, I believe that either way, they're gearing up for a postseason run in which they're going to be at a level of intensity that we just haven't seen yet. And yes, Chris Middleton perimeter player complement to Giannis is going to be essential to beating a Celtics team that does have, like, last again, last year, let's rewind that far back, best defense in the NBA after January 1st, right? So this is what they're going to be up against. They're familiar with each other, Alabaster. What are we missing here in our big picture assessments? Well, this what's interesting here is the Bucks actually have an even better defense than the Celtics this year. They have the best defense by, by defensive net rating. The Celtics are fourth. The Ironically, the thing that makes this series a little bit spicier this year is the Celtics adding Malcolm Brogdon. They got exposed in the NBA Finals as not oh, having third. a lead ball handler. And he is someone the Bucks let go and decided to sign Eric Bledsoe instead, which led to the whole string of the Drew Holiday trade and why these teams are here. But to me, that's the move that could move the needle for the Celtics. Um, and if we don't believe in them, we're just believing that Giannis can beat the best roster in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of think he can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, the, the the last big moment for Giannis was those finals when it felt like he beat a whole roster by himself. So saying that he can't do that, I think, would be foolish. But doing it against this team in particular is going to be really challenging. I do think Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I get, you know, what, Talabash's credit, probably a name we should mention. Yeah, um, just because a, he's not going to wildly turn the ball over in the way that, yeah, they relied on Marcus Smart in the way that they lost. It wasn't even Marcus Smart's fault as much as it, it felt like a lot of Jalen Brown issue. Oh, and also, also him. W- yep. White, just like they, it felt like there was no one 
they could trust. And Tatum was on and off in the finals. Just felt like there was no one. Anytime they got the ball, I felt uneasy, and I wasn't even a Celtics fan. It was just like, oh, what's going to happen? Is Jalen Brown going to drive and get stripped again? It just wasn't fun. Yeah. I remember Derek White's hairline. Um, that's mostly my memory of of that series. But what's next? I just Alan remember Master. the guy that we – you remember the guy? I think we had made a picture on the show about it where there was a guy – not that. I'm not going to pick on that I man's mean, hairline. For the I, podcast audience. Picture. Get it out of here. That's just rude. It's not good. It's, just, it's not it's, good podcast audience. I mean – uh, the guy who was in the stands who had a jersey on that said white Ooh. and his skin was the same color <laughs> as his jersey. That was the picture I was talking about that I really enjoyed from last year's playoffs. That's right. It was magical. Oh, that was a and good, I, I think we named it we named it White White. White White. White White. I forgot white. about White White. You forgot about White White? Never <laughs> I forget mean, about White White. I they definitely don't they white definitely white. don't forget about it the last time the Bucks lost the game with Giannis in the lineup. Not on that day. I think, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a good point. I think that's a good job. Good job. Way to tie it all together. I was just You're waiting, back. I was waiting <laughs> the entire segment to make myself whole again. So thank you. So let's move on. Uh, and We're talking about Kevin Durant. Uh, After his debut in Phoenix, maybe emotion. he's the bus driver, maybe he's not. Uh, do you agree with Vegas that the Suns are the favorites in the West? Mm, Dominique, this is your account. You are uh, you're, you're you're waxing on and waxing off. Oh no, I was I was I was whipping the bus. That's what we're doing. We oh, whipping okay. the bus right here. This is <laughs> what Kevin Durant has done on every big, team that he's ever played man. on. Yeah. yeah, he is always the bus driver, and he was incredible in his debut. And it's only been a few uh, weeks, I guess, since the last time I saw him play. And when I watched him last night, I was thoroughly, or I guess when you guys are watching this uh, Wednesday night, I was still, like, surprised by how great he is. His points were not astronomical, but just the mid-range effectiveness. It's, yes, the bottom line, the West is not very strong. Yes, they are the favorites. Yes, they should be the favorites. They have concerns defensively. They'll have to figure that out. And I guess the Nuggets are the big uh, contender over there. Um, Golden State, when they get healthy. And uh, we got we got some grizzle talk coming up later. John oh, Morant and them. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. Yes. That, but, I, yeah, I, I'm happy to put my money on – Kevin Durant driving this bus all the way to the championship and probably losing, but still driving well, them to the championship. Well, listen, um, 10 Kevin of 15, like 37, right? 23 for KD. Yes. 30 plus for Devin Booker. Um, KD only played 26 minutes, by the way, just as a general observation, who plays better off of a crazy leg injury than Kevin Durant? Just like, <laughs> at, at some point you feel like he should stop doing this. And instead what he is, you know, when you like travel and you're like, oh, this is I'm in Europe, this socket, like I need the thing. I need the thing to plug the thing <laughs> yeah. in. Kevin Durant is the universal travel adapter. He will work in any system, any electrical grid, any outlet, whatever you need. He will plug in immediately and power your shit. No one is better as a matter of basketball fit than that dude. He doesn't need the ball. Doesn't need any of, he is the anti-Luca, anti-James Harden. He is a superstar who will be the best supporting cast member you've ever seen. Supporting? And How dare you? I'm just saying, sometimes, Dominique, the true trick to being a bus driver is to let someone else drive. And Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, is somebody who doesn't need to whip the bus. 
He that, doesn't that need was, to. That he was the, that was the worst Shut like sloppy nope. Instagram. Felt really good about it. Post Felt really good about it. Sometimes <laughs> driving the bus is not driving the bus. Stop it. This is garbage. Kevin Durant is uh, the best player on this team. He was playing it seemed like half speed and still effective on offense and defense so yeah he's great they're going to be great with him we'll they see what happens make the finals they yeah should. they should and i guess it's disrespectful to to the nuggets who've been playing really well and michael porter jr who's probably should be the best player on his team but is somehow the third best just if you look at him as a, a, oh, as, skills as a that prototype he offers, yeah yeah uh he would be the the thing that i would look at in the west and and concern me if it was uh about stopping kevin durant but he can't because nobody can so no. yeah if i had to bet some money i think i'd go with the unknown that is the Suns with durant it's we we have one game against a bad oh um, oh Hornets yeah team. by the way a, a bottom five defense in the hornets but yeah. whatever yeah you're right i mean it's it's this is all on projection no i, so, I believe like, in we, it it's, it's a good that, projection to have, and it's also based on the the relative weakness of the Western Conference. Yes, it does not there's yes. there's no standout team that just feels. Which I know Alabaster is going to get mad at me and say oh, Jokic why? and Denver oh, we're Nuggets, doing the blah, blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, I mean they're the good. I want to ask you another hypothetical: If the Clippers are healthy and play the Suns in the playoffs, who would you think is better? That's a potential four ooh, or five matchup. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm talking about healthy how, Kawhi. How healthy many Kawhi. minutes? How many minutes is Russell Westbrook playing? Uh, zero after you. halftime. I'm not okay. going to stand for this either. That's no Russell slander. That's a big difference. Um, yeah. yeah, so that team is scary as hell. That's fair. Uh, the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard healthy are wings that could be yep. a huge problem for Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But offense is easier than defense. And uh, I tend to think that Kevin Durant's going to figure out how to score enough points. I guess – the um the tough thing about that is is projecting what the Suns defense is going to be. They have a rim protector in DeAndre Ayton, but they have a guy in Chris Paul who's been called a cone by yeah. uh, <laughs> Patrick Beverly <laughs> and uh, Devin Booker, who's not a defensive specialist. Kevin Durant, who has lots of lower body injuries and is old. That's the concern, I guess. We'll see. I mean, they're not going to be completely healthy, though, so. You're talking no. about a conference finals where Kawhi is going to be playing in all the games up until then, and he's going to be at tip-top Kawhi shape in the conference finals to play against Kevin Durant. We'll see. Also, is it still true, Alabaster, that the, that the Warriors have like the best five-man lineup in the NBA? Like that's still the case. They don't even play. Yeah, I mean that that, <laughs> yeah. that is pretty much. I mean, it was like Jokic, based on Jokic the first twenty-five games, and since January has been okay. absurd. Yeah. But like, I, really I, I don't know who's. Over the course of the season, which has a higher net rating. Um, but Dominique, why do you think that Durant's a better health bet for the postseason than Kawhi? They kind of had, like, since 2018, neither one of them plays more than 60 games. Like, they're both dominant playoff performers offensively. To me, that one's actually sort of a wash. It's sort of interesting that we just inherently trust Durant to be there much more than uh, Kawhi. Yeah, I don't wonder why. Uh, that's a fair point. I mean, I think it's also because. Um, Durant's injuries seem like acute and that they happen and then they're over. And Kawhi, I think, has been dealing with the same concern for what feels like the past 10 years. 
Like he never really feels like he's ever gotten fully healthy, you know, for a long stretch. We've seen Durant get really get healthy and play great for extended stretches, uh, including in the playoffs when everyone else around him was hurt. We haven't seen that for Kawhi, which just may be just a poor justification. But I think that's why we think of Durant's health as more guaranteed than we do Kawhi's. I do believe that fundamentally, because I have the same instinct as Dominique, as flawed as our reasoning may be, it is because I think I know why Kevin Durant isn't playing in games. Right. Kawhi Leonard yeah. feels like a giant, like, I can't see inside of yeah. his box. I mean, I it, don't it, understand him. It's confusing yeah. to me. It's unpredictable. I feel less sure in him. It feels like he's like, he, he has an issue that's like a chronic issue that's not yes. going to go away and that it's only a matter of time like there's only so many plays there are only so many games that he has on his body until it becomes until he needs a lot of rest or he's a way diminished player it does not feel like that for kevin durant it feels like maybe he'll step on somebody's ankle and mess up his knee or maybe he'll do something weird but chances are he's going to be healthy as we move on worth worth noting Kawhi has been playing heavy minutes in like his last 10 yes, games. Yes, It's wild. So it's going to be fascinating to see if that continues in the playoffs. All right, last topic. Uh, what do you make of the John Morant situation? So this story is a real story now because the Washington Post has now obtained um, previously unknown police reports and other documents and interviews that all indicate that Maybe the most exciting player in basketball in John Morant um, was involved in two incidents last summer where the police got called. One was a mall parking lot. The other one uh, was a pickup basketball game at John Morant's house. The former incident, Dominique, was at a finish line. Apparently his mom was there, got in a dispute with an employee. His mom called Ja and Ja showed up with a whole bunch of people and allegedly threats were made. Um, the pickup basketball game. They mushed the security guard in the face, allegedly. Alleged mushing also. is a key detail here. Yes. Um, and then when you get to the basketball game, uh, mushing of a different sort. We're talking about a 17-year-old player um, playing against Ja at Ja's house and them throwing the ball real hard at each other, leading to Ja then mushing the 17-year-old, I believe. I don't know if the verb actually should be stronger in this case, but yeah, the point is... The allegations punch. is that he, he punched him and they allege that he punched him in his uh, in one of Josh's friends, punched this 17 year old uh, 13 to 14 times, I think is what is said in the Washington Post piece. Yep. And then John Morant allegedly reemerged from his house with a gun visible in his waistband. So yeah. all of which is to say that I hate this story because now the most exciting young player in basketball who is so likable otherwise has this list of things that I do need answers. And you left off the one other one that isn't him directly, but the accusations from the Pacers organization that yep. some people in jazz camp were pointing a laser, uh, like a gun laser at yep. them. And yeah, inside it's of all, the bus yeah, and inside of the bus and threatening them in that way. So it's, despicable the the thing about like I, on some level like it's easy for me to tell someone else like hey um please don't like encourage your mom to fight finish line sneaker store employees please don't show up with a bunch of people please don't fight teenagers please don't threaten other teams um simply because i suppose dominique um i just don't know if they ever thought that this would not be reported on 
Like, did you yeah. really think this was not going to be found out at some point? I'm well, actually shocked that it took this long to their credit, I guess. But this feels like the thing you explicitly can't do when you're a certain level of famous. Yeah. Well, I mean, in response to this, it wasn't where I wanted to go necessarily. But in response to that, most things don't get found out. Like having been a part of uh, several professional teams, most the stuff that happens does not get found out. It goes away or it doesn't rise to a level of this like this. And that basketball is maybe different because the stars are bigger, but that's just the case. Like I, I remember lots of things that happened in and around teams that I was on from college all the way through to the end of my career, to pros that just nothing happened. Like we have security um, head of security who is relationships well, with the police. There's like this is, this the is, stuff. This is the stuff goes where, without being discussed. But this is this is a follow up though. That's I think valid to. And there's a larger conversation about like what the John Morant on the behavior level. But just the the mechanics of how a story like this gets suppressed. It feels like there's just a level of sloppiness insofar yeah. as they are not using the resources available to make stories like this go away. They're kind of leaving loose ends everywhere. And I guess just on the level of incompetence as well as malice, I'm kind of staggered by the trail here of just like, what and is also what doing? I think the, the shocking thing also is that an NBA player of his stature would even be close to anything like this. Yes. And like NBA players who rise to this level are normally like spotted so much earlier and groomed, I guess, in some ways and prepared for this because the league is so dependent on their stars. This is not something that we see happen too often. But there's a few things about the way, like this story has been around for a few days now, and there's a few things about the way that it's being talked about that like grab my attention. Mm. And one of them is like how so many people are saying, Ja didn't grow up like this. He went to school here and like two parent house and that sort of stuff. Like, I think we're like exposing some like biases and prejudice that we have when we talk like that, because I know people who grew up in two parent houses and are from the suburbs who are about all the dumb mm. as AJ Brown would put it. <laughs> I know people like that. So like the assumption that you have to be from a troubled background and I like I understand that sometimes those people from those tough from tougher situations feel forced into that life and then if they make it to some success then it's hard to cut that life off. But also like it's fair to believe that these are not stories about Jazz team or Jazz friends getting in the in the stuff and Jazz just being close to it. He allegedly yes. is the catalyst of all this. So when I hear people saying, you got to shake these dudes, you got to shake these bad friends, it don't sound like it's bad friends. And when people start assuming, Ja's a good kid. He went to good schools. Like, you can't be a good kid who went to bad schools. Like, right. you can't be a good kid who uh, had a single parent home. Or, like, just because you had two parents that you're automatically a good kid. Like, y'all don't know him. And I'm not saying that he's bad or any or he's a problem because I don't know him either. But it's just like the the um, assumptions that are in that like analysis to me like is just it's not offensive, but it just jumps out at the things that we're oh, assuming yeah. that it should be okay if he if he were different. Right. The idea that he should have higher standards because he didn't have this right. very 
stereotypical excuse mm-hmm. is sort of uh, distracting us from the fact that he is the protagonist in each of these stories. Right. Like, it's not just, oh, I got to cut out your entourage, so to speak. And it's the- it is, it is, yo, um, do you realize that this is extreme behavior um, for a person who's not a super famous, like highly visible face of a league? And now what is being asked of the NBA and what I'm asking of them, and this is where I get to like the behind the scenes. Like, again, I'm interested, Dominic, to your point about suppression of uh, leaks and stories earlier. Like, I, I just believe that in a different era of the NBA, and maybe this is unfair, but I'll pose it anyway. David Stern is not waiting for this story to come out before he's like intervening in that sort of um, his own in the shadows menacing way. I just don't know how it got out of control to this degree. How is no one, and I guess to their credit, maybe Adam Silver's trying it. Maybe the Grizzly security people are trying it. Maybe John Moran is actually defying all of the people who are literally incentivized to make this not happen. And if that's the case, even crazier than I thought. But I'm just like, my mind is blown by so much of this on that level too. Yeah, I mean, I think that I've been hearing a lot of the, like the David Stern wouldn't do this and Adam Silver is a bad commissioner and blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of this has to do with the circumstances and the environment that Adam Silver entered. He did not have the ability to be David Stern to these players. Like he came into a league that LeBron already owned. Like, yes. It's very different. So, like, assuming right. that that Adam Silver can like do whatever backroom bullying that David Stern, uh, we all assume would have done, like, it's it's weird to me. And that's connected to the way that we talk about um, low management, and the way that we talk about CBA negotiations, and also the way that some people are talking about um, Adam Adam Silver's influence over John Morant. This league is different than the league was then, and Adam Silver's. Uh, his reputation is different than David Stern's was at that time. So maybe Adam Silver can grow into this authoritarian that you all seem to want him to be, but well, he can't be it now. I, and point he's taken, not it. point taken. But I do believe that something that I believe that this is for reasons that are beyond John Morant. <laughs> this feels like an enormous problem for this sport. It's not I, though. I think this okay, this explain is why. because because this is not the sport. Jabba Morant is the aberration. Name somebody else in basketball, a young star in basketball that is has this stuff around them. It's not. But this so, like, but, but that's that's kind of my point is that what it is is grist for a mill of stereotypes. And I'm like, this is a PR problem. I'm not saying it should be a PR problem. I'm saying that this is obviously an extreme case that should be treated as an extreme case because we don't have the other examples to make it a trend. I fully agree. It's not agree. a PR problem. It's not. I, I disagree. It's I not, think not if I'm Adam Silver, I am losing sleep over the fact oh, yeah, that yeah, one yeah. of my if most I'm... famous young players, a face of the league, is now in some real yeah, if I'm Adam Silver, I'm concerned about it. And you should I'm not saying you shouldn't have to nip it in the bud, but I think you're overselling it by suggesting that this is some big problem that the league has to worry about. This is one of several talented young stars, not even the best of them. They're going to be all right, who has been accused of some things that will probably not land him in jail. It's not a big deal Fair. for them overall. They're on the jail. But yep. but this it's like 
also like the, a lot of the conversation about somebody needs to talk to him his parents need to get through to him or adam silver or anybody and it's not just you just like in general like this is assuming you know when people the president gets a problem it's an impossible problem because if it was an, a problem that you could have solved before somebody lower would have like figured out how to solve mm. it that's how i feel about this john moran thing if it was as simple as a mentor we'd have been solved that these things are much more complicated than that and the idea that you think that you can tell a young person what to do and they're going to do it suggests to me that you're delusional anybody who's been around a young person or has been a young person knows <laughs> i was a young person I know what it feels like to have some older dude who obviously knows more than me tell me that what I'm doing is stupid and I still need to go burn my hand on the stove at least once. So the psychology of young people and the difficulty of getting through to them, especially somebody who for whatever reason feels like he can get away with some stuff or isn't worried about this in the way that he should be incentivized to. Totally fair. But the point about the president is a valid one. That's a good analogy. I like it. The question though redounds to are you a good president? Right. Like it is at your desk now, man. Like, what are you going to yeah. do? And yeah. so we juries, juries out. I'm not saying that Adam Silver has failed the test already, but there are now a list of things that raise questions about when the president got that phone call. And is he the guy you want to again borrow yet another tortured political reference? Is Adam Silver the guy you want answering the phone at 3 a.m.? Right? I feel I feel like I'm in like some horrible, horrible game because I remember when everybody was all high on Adam Silver and I was the one who was like, chill out, guys. <laughs> like there's going to come a time yep. when you guys realize that he is not the world's greatest commissioner. Yes. You and represented now, the union. You negotiated with the yeah. league directly. You know, it was this like, intimately. It was like no disrespect to Adam Silver, but it was like you guys are building him up in a way that's not true, which that's is right. unfair, unfair to him and setting you up to be upset. And now I feel like I'm on the other side where it's just like everyone's like, oh, Adam should have fixed it. Adam should have done this. Adam's too soft on the players. That's why they be load managing and forcing trades because he wants to be their friend. And Adam can't get John Morant in line. Chill out. Adam's going to be all right. The league is going to be <laughs> fine. Everything's going to be okay, guys. Reversal. Adam is – I mean, the point is I think he's somewhere in here. And y'all either want to think he's old. He's I, like, I know Jesus put is, on okay, a tie and then you're like, oh, my gosh, this commissioner is so weak. It's like you just grabbed a little boy out of out of gym class and gave him a commissioner's job. Like, it's it's absurd. I what I believe, though, and you said it in your answer because and I'm happy to play the role of uh, you people, because I think this is a fascinating conversation, honestly, is simply that Adam Silver's criticism and power comes from his alliances with his stars. Right. This is his all. It has always been the substitute for actual progressivism. Adam Silver is not a radical leftist. He is a guy who has allies with young black men who are actually important to his business. That is why he Thank has you. that feeling. Thank you, Pablo. It, it, that we're comparing him against Roger Goodell, Rob Manfred, Adam Silver by this standard is is Che Guevara. Okay, but in reality, Roger Goodell would do the same thing if he was the commissioner of the NBA. Okay, so would Rob yeah. Manfred. Okay, so fair. That I love that digression. Um, because it speaks to a natural question of what is he incentivized to do. And so the question here is simply, is that power, is that criticism, your alliances with your players has been the reason why you are considered a success? How does this factor into a story that is both extreme on one hand and atypical and also very much about how you deal with players 
one-on-one. And Dominique, yeah. I'm just saying, valid question. Not saying I know the answer. Valid question I'd like reporting into. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, uh, you're not asking me for an answer. I appreciate that because it's, it's a question I can't answer. But what you're what you're um, walking up to is a general, like, core philosophy of my life. When I'm talking to anyone and I'm thinking about just about anything, it's particularly when you're making decisions, you have to always remember that nothing is all good and nothing is all bad. Everything that feels good right now, there will be a price for it later. And everything that feels bad right now, at some point, you'll realize that it, it benefits you in some way. And like, it's just about trade-offs and decision-making. So the strategy that Adam Silver has taken so far that people say is just coddling to players or whatever, it was the smartest strategy to take at the time. Maybe he mm -hmm. will shift it at some point, but we noticed and we all recognized that a long time ago, the NBA yes, was driven by stars. And when you come into a league that is driven by stars with already established stars, you have to respect them in a way that some of y'all don't. And you expect <laughs> that Adam was supposed to roll up in here and tell LeBron to sit down and shut up. Good damn luck. <laughs> This is where Alabaster, I point out that LeBron has told Dominique to sit down and we've all told you to sit down. So you may sit. That's right. Um, well, we got way point, off of the John Morant conversation. Sorry about that. No, no. I actually think you, we landed a place to bring it back to it because sure the league will be fine, but it's still not good for the league. When one of their most visible young stars is involved in something like this with John Morant and I'm actually wondering if the league is about stars, just how good of hands it's going to be in in a few years when LeBron, Curry, and Durant retire. Because those guys have been stalwarts of like what yeah. we want NBA stars to be. And yeah, sure, the four best players in the world will be Euros in Luka, Jokic, um, Embiid, and Giannis. But they're going to be actually getting up there in age too, and I don't know how great hands, how much star power there's going to be for like American basketball fans in a couple of years. It's not as great and rosy as it as it has been for the past since two thousand three. So, that's this is a conversation that you and I had um, a long time before the start of NBA season, Alabaster. We discussed that they're really the best player. There's normally one protagonist in the NBA season, and we've seen it go from uh, Jordan to Shaq to Kobe, to LeBron, and we don't know who that next person is going to be. But what we do know is it's not going to be someone American. Like that's, unless it's Jason <laughs> Tatum, Jason Tatum is the is the last hope for, uh, to be like the best American player. And so, yeah, that's going to create a different challenge and also different benefits for the NBA going forward. But I, I don't think that any of this is, that whether John Morant like John Morant getting uh, these stories written about him and these accusations that are embarrassing, but not going to land him in jail. I don't think that this is a long-term problem for the NBA unless this is like an epidemic and we're going to start finding out a bunch of other players. Like I think John Morant will probably see the writing on the wall and address this behavior and not have any other issues. And if he doesn't, there's so many like this, he he is not the second coming. Like no one's sitting around thinking that John Moran is about to be the protagonist for the NBA going forward. He's not going to be LeBron James. Well, he is. Oh man, I, I he has a chance to. But he's, I'm he's saying so, if, if he no, doesn't, the league is not going to be like, oh my gosh, this we're is in not, a desert. We can't find not, a star. He is not 
the son of the solar system you love so much. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I agree. Um, also, yeah, like, let's be real about American attention. Realistically, um, just don't do anything like this again. Yeah. Don't wind up in prison and we will move on to the next thing. Like, we no, have no, the no, energy no, no. We now. Won't, we but... won't, oh, you mean we'll move on to the next thing as far as me is concerned. I thought you were yes. talking about for a job. Like, all you got to do is stay out of trouble. And then exactly. whether, it's, and whether it's true or not, next season, we're going to write a redemption story about yep. how you cleaned everything up and we're all going to celebrate you. And we're going to say, and it, this would have been a path that you went through that made you more interesting and made oh, you man. into a better player. We all you got to do is not do no more, or at least not get caught doing no more dumb. It's really we, simple. We, 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 again, like collectively, this show could be great at uh, cynical defense attorney, how to spin the media, what to do, what show to appear on, who to cry with. Like, it's solvable, man. Just yeah. don't do this again. Yeah, please. You can, you can come out at the end of the season and talk about how you were feeling insecure and vulnerable and it pushed you to do some dumb things. Oh, and yeah. now you've gotten right and you've dedicated just your foundation to teaching boys about ways to express their masculinity that don't involve violence. There you go, Ja. I'll take the check now. I got a way to express your masculinity without getting into trouble. <laughs> well done. Just, well done. You know, Full circle. Does, does, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs>